anti-bribery and corruption regulations are tougher than ever. Companies need to wake up. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The last couple of years have seen an uptick in the enforcement of anti-bribery and corruption laws in the U.S. and abroad. The Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which impacts business operations around the world, is 40 years old but still going strong. There's an increasing pressure on corporations to be more transparent in their supply chains. Nevertheless, many have been dragging their feet on implementing the necessary controls. They face not only multi-million dollar fines, but a potential plunge in their stock value, difficulty in attracting and retaining staff, and even prison sentences for wayward compliance officers. Today we'll learn what steps companies should be taking from Charles Thomas, Director of Anti-Bribery and Corruption with LexisNexis Risk Solutions. He'll lay out the consequences of non-compliance and the basics of a strong program to combat bribery and corruption throughout global supply chains. So here is my conversation with Charles Thomas. Charles Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bob. You know, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is 40 years old now. What is the general trend today with regard to the enforcement of that measure, again, in terms of anti-bribery and corruption regulations? Business as usual, more or less? Where are we uh, in, in terms of the enforcement of that measure today? It's actually quite a difficult one to look at in terms of where we are in terms of enforcement because it fluctuates greatly. 2016 was very strong. 2017 looks fairly strong. I say strong in terms of the amount of enforcement. One thing we we at LexisNexis Risk Solutions see is that when there's more enforcement, there's more interest and activity of people trying to not so much cover themselves, but make sure they've got their compliance in place. So when we have a very strong year in terms of enforcement with large fines, lots of sentences handed out, such as 2016, it really helps drive interest in the world and in the market. And that, that was what we saw in 2016. As I mentioned, 2017 was, well, at least so far, quite a big year. We've seen some big fines handed down. But because of the nature of the investigations and enforcement, sometimes these things take a very, very long time to come to fruition. So we do often see that organizations may declare they're under investigation, but we don't see the actual fine and enforcement for a year, two years or so. So it's quite a long life cycle. Well, what are the trends that cause the tides of enforcement, so to speak, to rise and fall in any given year? I think one thing that is starting to have an impact on the market in terms of that trend of enforcement is cross-border cooperation. So the FCPA, as you mentioned, is over 40 years old. It's a very strong piece of legislation. It has huge power to reach beyond the borders of the USA. But what we're now seeing is other countries are also bringing in their own local regulation. 
some of which is also extraterritorial, and that it reaches beyond the borders of that country. And we're beginning to see more cooperation and more of these enforcement actions happening across multiple regulatory environments. So there have been cases which have been brought by the UK, the US and the Netherlands in combination, for example. So I think there's now more of a global movement to beat corruption, to beat bribery, by not just being the FCPA as its own figurehead in the regulatory landscape, but actually part of a almost a team effort to bring these prosecutions. And on the American side, what is the enforcing agency? Is it the Securities and Exchange Commission? Is it multiple agencies or, or who? It's usually coming through the DOJ or the SEC, um, depending on the nature of, of the situation. And they're the main enforcers there. They obviously have finite resources. And as with most government agencies, there are squeezes. But every time there's a strong year in terms of their enforcement results, that obviously helps fuel their budgets, fuel their resources, and therefore drive more efforts into investigations and enforcement in, in later years. Are there any particular countries where regulators are making a special effort at enforcement? It's very easy to say there are areas that are more likely to have bribery and corruption. But one of the areas or one of the things to look for is where there is a big disparity between the value of a product or a raw material and the value within the local economy. Very good examples, one could look at Equatorial Guinea, for example, which is one of the poorest countries on earth. And yet there are relatives of government ministers with $150 million apartments in Paris, in France. So there's clearly corruption going on there. In terms of enforcement, though, it doesn't necessarily tend to follow a regional trend. There are rumors, and one is never unsure if it is correct or not, that the enforcers will use experience gained in one investigation and one enforcement um, they will use the industry knowledge, industry contacts, and industry experience to look around that industry. So if, for example, there was an organization in the telecoms sector that had an enforcement for a third-party infraction, so the third party paid a bribe on their behalf, for example, well, that third party will be of interest to the enforcing agencies and that third party may work with other people in the telecom sector. So quite often it's intelligence-based rather than regionally based. What about industry-based? You mentioned that using intelligence to address an entire industry. Are there any particular industries today that stand out as sources of anti-bribery and corruption efforts, and for that matter, that are historically or notoriously given to that practice? The most obvious is not, not so much an industry, but it's a, it's a connection which is where there are strong government involvement in any industry. Obviously, with the FCPA's focus on foreign public officials, wherever there is a, a strong requirement or involvement to work with government, so in the construction sector, transport and logistics, mining and the, and the extractive sectors, those are very often higher risk and therefore higher scrutiny from a bribery and corruption perspective. There are, of course, some countries, I believe, over the years where that has just been considered the cost of doing business. If you want to do business in a particular country, you are forced to participate in bribes and the like. And if you report it, well, you're out of business anyway. So, I mean, that does put companies in a rather difficult position, does it not? 
I think it used to, yes. Um, I say it used to because we're hearing more and more organizations actually taking a stand. I heard one person speaking at a conference some months ago from a, a large retail outlet, one of the big box retailers that one sees on the edge of cities. They wanted to open um, a chain of stores in a new country. And they had the, the call which said, well, you can open your stores, but you won't have any electricity or phone lines unless you pay us X dollars. And they refused. They said no. And they kept saying no, and they kept refusing. And eventually, the government officials that were seeking the bribes realized that it was better to have that business in their country than to have the bribe. So mm -hmm. companies and organizations and compliance executives are now, I think, feeling increasingly emboldened and empowered to actually take a stand and say, no, that's not how it is anymore. It was, but things are thankfully moving away from that. I would guess that the range of situations is so broad that it would be very difficult and not impossible to generalize the forms in which these bribes tend to take, the level of official in the foreign country who is involved in them. I'm just wondering if you could give us some examples of common type problems, or is it impossible to say this is generally what companies are facing? It is difficult to generalize. There are some very strong examples. There's a wonderful website, which is I Paid a Bribe in India which is a crowdsourcing, crowd-reporting approach to bribery requests. And that tends to track people that are quite low-level police, uh, border officials, customs officials, for example. And those are the cases where it'll, it'll happen. In the really big cases we see within the FCPA enforcement, it's actually at quite a high executive level. It's not low-down people, lower down the tree. It's it's quite senior, highly responsible individuals in many cases. And often the bribes are paid to quite senior people. I mentioned earlier Equatorial Guinea. Again, you can look at the, the amount of money that flowed into the hands of the forestry minister, for example, in Equatorial Guinea. That's quite a senior official. It's not a low-ranking government official. It's quite a responsible post. So it, there isn't really a general, this is who pays a bribe or this is who receives a bribe. But for the, for the cases that will attract the interest and the enforcement and the scrutiny under the FCPA, it does tend to happen at reasonably high levels within an organization. Companies faced with these situations, I mean, other than merely saying no, as you point out, that can be effective. But do they have additional recourses when they are confronted by the demand for a bribe or a corruption situation? Where do they go? One thing that's actually changing that, and we've seen this with certain organizations and the beginning of a trend of this that actually local companies, I say local companies as in non-US in-country companies, are actually beginning to support the efforts of anti-bribery and corruption by turning to anti-bribery and corruption themselves as something to make them more enticing as an investment. So we're now seeing that both sides of the table, as it were, are, are joining in this fight. Where the companies actually go for help and resources, part of it is that, that team effort that I touched on earlier, the idea that multiple enforcement agencies are coming together. And there's also beginning to be a bit of a team effort that organizations, compliance executives within them, if more of them are willing to stand up and say no, then there won't be anyone there to actually pay a bribe. So I think we're beginning to see a bit of a groundswell of good for want of a better way of putting it, of people doing the right thing. 
Are avenues of recourse included within multilateral trade agreements? Does they address that, or is that a completely separate issue that is not necessarily related to this? I think that would be a slightly separate issue that wouldn't really fall into this, unless it was covered contractually within those trade agreements. But usually, the trade agreements will require companies to comply with all relevant laws. So the reach of the FCPA is such that it will be one of those relevant laws. I think that the power of the FCPA to work on anything with U.S. dollar transactions or U.S. stock listings, there's so much reach and power of the FCPA that it almost transcends trade agreements. Sounds strange to say that, but I think it's the extraterritoriality and reach of the FCPA is so strong that it's it's out there on its own. And what do the fines range from? I imagine they can be pretty punishing. Well, the fines are a part of the issue absolutely part of it. I think the first fine for the UK Bribery Act was £250 or about $300, I think. So it was, it was nothing. The largest fine for the UK Bribery Act today is a little over £2 million, so a little over two and a bit million dollars, very small. Under the FCPA, the fines can be fifty, sixty $60,000, or they can be $800 million. There have been cases, that, there are a couple of very large ones up into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, even if you're a big multi-billion dollar global company, $800 million is still quite a big hit to take. The bigger issue, though, is that the fines are almost the tip of an iceberg within the problem. Along with the fines, there's other reparations to be made. That may be repayment of some profits gained from the bribes. It can also have a devastating impact on your stock value. The case of Siemens, which was, I think, until recently, one of the biggest cases. Siemens saw a 50% reduction in their stock value over a period of about six months because of the bribery and corruption case brought against them. Uh, A catastrophic impact on their stock value. But there's things even beyond that, strangely. There's employee engagement and personal